Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You have offended this podcast and you have offended the entire... Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, forget all that for a second. Just hear me out. This is what happened, okay? I know the podcast is late. I apologize for that. So I traveled to Halifax to have a vacation, see my parents, and Chad and I got to record the podcast in the same room for the first time since we started the podcast last November. We got it all set up. It seemed to sound okay. It wasn't great because we're in a big open room. It's a little echoey when you hear it. It'll sound a little bit uh, not to the same quality that you normally used to. We got about 50 minutes in, five zero minutes into the podcast-ish, and unfortunately, we, we took a break. We had some beers, because we had the first visit in a while, so we had some beers, and we had to go to the bathroom. So when we stood up, I think one of us bumped the input, and Chad's mic cut out. So for the entirety of the rest of the podcast, because we didn't notice, Chad was only being picked up on my mic through the ambient room noise. So it's way in the background. It's super echoey. It's late. The podcast is late this week because I tried to fix that with very little to no success. So unfortunately, the second half of this podcast is lost. So what we're going to do is we're releasing the first about 50 minutes of the podcast as a part one to showdown in Little Tokyo. When we are able to do, or I guess redo, the second half of the movie, we will release that as the part two. And what I'll do is probably just tag it on to the back end of this one. And then you'll have the full showdown in Little Tokyo podcast. I apologize. I wanted to get something out. I know it's super late. I'm away on vacation again at a cottage way up where I don't have any reception. and can't record. So for the next week or two, what I'm going to do is uh, schedule releases of two of the podcasts that were previously behind the paywall for the patrons just so that people will have something on Monday morning to listen to, and it'll be hopefully something you previously hadn't heard. We will be back as of the week after, uh, I think I'm home on the 20th, so the last week of August, the second last week of August, we'll have something new up for you. It'll be the Chow Yun-Fat movie, directed by John Woo, The Killer, which we'll reference, well, (laughs) which we did reference at the end, but you're not going to hear it. So the next new movie you'll hear from us will be uh, John Woo's The Killer with Chow Yun-Fat. So thank you for your patience. I appreciate it. We tried to do the live thing. Uh, you know, shit happens, basically, is, is the story of the podcast. So I hope you enjoy this first half of Showdown in Little Tokyo. We had a blast rewatching it. Uh, I know there's a lot of people out there that love this movie, so check it out. So I'm going to drop you into the beginning of the podcast here, the normal start to it. Always remember, please go to our Patreon and whatnot. Please support us if you can, patreon.com slash you have offended this podcast. There's five levels there. You can check it out. If you go to our website at offendedpodcast.com, you can buy merch there now. There's t-shirts and hats and jackets and fanny packs. It, It looks awesome. I'm very excited. So go there. If you don't feel like becoming a patron, you can purchase something and show your love of the podcast that way and treat it like a one-time donation. And that way you get something out of it too, which is kind of awesome. So here's part one of Showdown in Little Tokyo. Again, thank you, and we'll talk to you very soon. And welcome once again to You Have Offended This Podcast. We watch martial arts movies. My name is Mike McCarran, and with me, as always, sitting right to my right, is Chad Lindsay. What's up, man? Hey, man, we're doing this (laughs) for the first time side by side. In the same room. This is kind of dope. This is a special occasion. So yeah, we are going to break down today what we mentioned last week, which is 1991's Showdown in Little Tokyo with Brandon Lee and Dolph Lundgren and Tia Carrere. Yeah, I remember you renting this on VHS tape and us hanging out in your downstairs watching this. And almost every movie that I watch, I tend to feel like the same way. Like, oh my God, I really loved this film. And then 20 or 30 years, I'll go back and I'll watch it again. This one's a little bit different because I'm yeah. like, whoa, there's a there's a lot to unpack <laughs> with this particular film. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack. And when I think of Showdown in Little Tokyo in my head, I think, ah, damn, like that's an awesome movie. I really like that movie. And I remember liking it and thinking the fight scenes were awesome and thinking, you know, Brandon Lee's cool. Dolph Lundgren's awesome. Tia Carrera's hot and she's, she's, she looks really great and she's a good actress. And then watching it again... Now, whatever it is, 30 years later, mm. uh, it's not the same. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not, not the same. It's, 
Okay, there's a few things about this about this film. First of all, let's just like unpack it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure if you were to take the script as shot and go back one revision, okay? We're yes. going to take this script, we're going to call this script 6. We go back to script 5 yep. and it's a gay love story between Brandon Lee and Dolph Lundgren. Like, that's what it is. Like, that's what it is. It's like they took this script and they were like, hey, man, we, we love this script about the two gay cops, one American, one Japanese, but we got to take that out. We're going to give it to a 14-year-old boy who's going to rewrite it and make it cool. And that's where you get the Tia Carrere and a lot of those that gay subtext is still in here. And I'm not yes. saying that to be hateful. I'm saying that because clearly there is a, a very strong romantic attraction between <laughs> Kenner and Brandon Lee throughout Brandon this film. Lee. Yes. Yeah. I think, I think between Johnny and Kenner, there's a very clear connection beyond like, you're cool. You're my partner. Like there's like a, you're, well, he says it. You have the biggest dick I've ever seen on yeah, a man. Like, seen, yeah, <laughs> yeah. like that was something from script five yeah. that never got updated. That's what I mean. Like, there's a lot of stuff still in there. Like, like it, like, and I'm pretty sure script five could have swapped Tia Carrere with Harvey Firestein, and <laughs> yes. you would have had his like, oh my god, Kenner. Like that might have been Firestein's line. You've got the biggest dick I've ever seen on a man. Oh, thanks, thanks, Harvey. Yeah, I think they. I think they could have done that script from script five and had a weird little love triangle between Firestein, Kenner, and Johnny. And it would yeah. have been like this cool, like, Johnny's jealous of the relationship between yeah, that, Kenner and Firestein. You know what I mean? Like That could have worked better. It just kind of left me feeling a little bit confused. Like, Brandon Lee clearly walks in and sees, he's like, hey, what do you think of these naked ladies covered in sushi? <laughs> and Brandon Lee goes, oh, God, yeah. yeah. Like, he's he's selling it a bit too much. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, he doth protest too much. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking Brandon Lee is, is, is acting a little too much here. I don't think he's really into that. Honestly, honestly, being a straight guy would not eat fucking sushi off of some lady's private parts. No. Laying in a restaurant. Jesus, come on, man. I mean, I like naked women and I like sushi, but as you said, some things do not need to go together. Yeah. Like, oh. Yes, I don't need her as my plate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I love to do? I love taking a shit and petting my cat. I'm going to do that at the same time. Scrappy, yeah. sit still. <laughs> that's just ridiculous. Yeah, that's weird. When my dog comes in to like see me when I'm in the bathroom, I'm like, can you fucking... How about you leave? <laughs> yeah, your it's dog. Not the, not the your time. dog just walks into the doorway making eye contact. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can I help you, young man? And that would have... That, that script five would have turned the uh, the rape scene into a weird deliverance kind of moment. Yeah, that's actually true. Because would that, like, would that have made Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa from here on known as CHT? For, would he be gay too then? Like, would everybody? Yeah, you might as well. I think. I think. Just do it all. If you're gonna yeah, go, like, go, if you're gonna go for it, just go for it. Make because I'll fucking watch it. Like, I don't, I don't care. It's no, just, just make the martial it's just arts like, good in the it's story. It's just like, hey, man, just get off the fence and fucking go one way or the other. <laughs> pick a thing. You're, yeah, pick a thing and make it happen. I tell that to my kids all the time when they're, like, watching their iPad and watching television. Yeah. Fucking pick a thing. Like. Pick a thing. Pick a thing, THC. God damn it. So, uh, yeah, we're going to roll through this. Uh, just before we do, please remember, go to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash you have offended this podcast. Check it out. There's five different levels there. You can support us from $5 all the way up. Uh, whatever you think, that would be dope. Help us out. Help us put this together. And you can go to our Instagram. That is You Have Offended This Podcast as well. Same as our YouTube. Same as our YouTube. And our website is... Offendedpodcast.com. Yes. Offendedpodcast.com. Go there. Buy some merch if you don't want to become a patron. That'd be cool. Because then you can get a hat or a jacket or a t-shirt or whatever and kind of treat it as a one-time thing. Or a two-time thing if you like more than one thing. We got fanny packs now. Fanny packs? I'm going to buy a fanny pack. Yeah, so buy a thing. And lastly, on Twitter, we are at YHOTP. Any of our social media stuff, you can get in contact with us. You can uh, pitch us a movie to do. And, uh, you know, tell us your favorite movies, favorite actors, favorite scenes, all that stuff. We'd love to hear from you. Wicked. All right, man, so we're going to roll into Showdown in Little Tokyo. Uh, the opening credits here are actually kind of cool with the, the Yakuza tattoos. Yeah, the tattoos are cool. And this kind of goes into that whole Script 5 thing. Like, it's... You know, a lot of shadows, dudes, muscles, dudes, pecs, abs, a lot of flexing. It's like that. What's that video? That um, that rap video where it just panned around the dude's body. Remember, it was big along. It was big like 
15 years ago, and then he kind of got heavy. Um, oh, what's that dude's name? That's going to bug me. Whatever. I don't care. Um, it's a video, rap video where the guy just it just pans around his body. People are like, oh my god! It goes like it goes like well below his navel. <laughs> yeah, okay, into you know the little angle yeah. muscles that go down the cross yeah, yeah, pointers. Yeah. yeah, it goes like into those, and all the girls were like, whoa, 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 oh my goodness, ribald like <laughs> things. Tales of ribaldry. Tales of ribaldry within a rap video. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's very like that, but they're kind of cool. I dig it. CHTs. I don't know if that's CHT or not. No, I think that's just like a bodybuilder that they got clearly somebody who's really jacked yeah he's actually much bigger now that i look at it mark lester um directed this movie and he was actually the same director for commando and uh initially it was kind of a little bit more serious in tone if we're going back to script five or prior yes but uh they kind of lightened up the mood to make it a little bit more like like commando so anyway we open up this first scene here and we're in this dingy ass kickboxing venue here and these guys are throwing down and then we get our first shot here of detective kenner dolph lundgren in his signature leather jacket yeah i'd like how he's just like if you're a cop right if you're gonna raid the place you would think that he'd have to have some sort of like paperwork or warrant he just climbs up onto the roof of this warehouse through an open window and then does a zip line <laughs> into the, into line, the middle right. of the fucking yeah. ring like <laughs> forget about the zip who line. made who who constructed the zip line but <laughs> it doesn't matter because is it a zip line or does he just like loop his belt around a light it's like a fucking string of lights or some shit is it not like yeah, he just if i remember correctly but the, the, the point being that if he had paperwork he could have actually just gone through the front door and yes. made his arrest but he comes flying in like fucking um into Karate Kid Part 2. Oh, he just swings down on a rope. That's just, right. Yeah. yeah. Cause Where'd I think the rope a, come from? They're in a gymnasium, I think. <laughs> and he just... Yeah, it's one of those big, thick old gym ropes that used to have to climb in class. And he lands... He doesn't, like, land anywhere inconspicuous. He lands in the fucking ring, like, in front oh, yeah. of the crowd. Like, between the two fighters. Yeah, and they st- all the betting people in the crowd start betting of which of the two fighters is going to fuck Kenner up. It's... Yeah, it's this, fucking stupid. This movie is pretty outlandish and and dumb, and I remember really, really liking it at the time. But I think that once you see movies that are, I don't know, like we talked about Kung Fu Hustle, yes, and that being just like silly but enjoyable, and then we talk about The Raid, which is very grounded and realistic and gritty and enjoyable, and I think this thing is just kind of like this. This movie tries to play it straight. Yeah. And it really shouldn't. No. Well, I mean, I think it's all about setting up a world and then staying within the rules that you've created for that world, which Kung Fu Hustle does very well. Even though it's outlandish and crazy and people are flying around and shit, like they set that up and then you accept, okay, that's part of this world. And then none of the rules are broken. In this, you are, we are ostensibly in the real world and- I mean, he's he's flying down on this rope and guys are shooting at him and he jumps over this fucking car. Like, yeah. (laughs) There's a flying sidekick over a moving 65 Bel Air or whatever the fuck that is. It's just just (laughs) flying at him. And he just just effortlessly jumps over it, which is... Fucking hilarious. I do still enjoy this movie. Yeah. You know, it's, it's fun. Brandon Lee is introduced here after this scene. It's the next morning, I guess. And he's strolling down into, what is this, Little Tokyo, I think. And uh, Kenner's having his morning dim sum or whatever. He's having his miso soup in this little Japanese restaurant. And this is his little, sort of his mother figure, if I'm not mistaken. Because yeah, his parents kinda, got killed. Yeah, his parents are killed, but she kind of hits on him. He's, she's like, hey, That's Kenner, right. why don't you do something? He's like, oh. She's like, I'm too much woman for you. You need to get another woman first to warm up. That's and right. You need to take me on. It's like, <laughs> this is where I go back to that 14-year-old boy wrote this. Yes, he did. Because everybody wants to screw Kenner, including Every- Brandon Lee. Like, that's written into the script. Like, Oh, yeah. Like, I'm sure there's scene direction. Look at Kenner. You want his age. Like, <laughs> you want his age. For everybody. Like, Hard. every character. And then we get the extortion scene here. There's Jeff Imada in the background there. Hanging out in his cool white suit. He's the, he's the white suit guy from The Simpsons. The the extortion scene is rough because... Yeah. I mean, 
I, I'm, I, I would never make fun of somebody not being able to speak English, but you no. really can't understand him when he's extorting her. Like, they, they could have had somebody else do the line delivery. Yeah, with Toshishiro Obata, like, he's really good as the tough guy standing in the background staring yes. ominously at you. Get one of these other dudes to deliver the extortion, and then when she kind of gives you flack, just look over at him. It might have been a contract thing, like, you know, because you oh, get paid true. more if you deliver a line. So that's they true, probably too, were yeah. just like, all right, here's your line. Here, phonetically deliver this. Yeah. yeah. And I like that Dolph Lundgren fights these guys off, never spilling his green tea. Yeah. Even though he's clearly holding an empty cup in the fight scene. Yeah, because <laughs> nothing flies out. <laughs> and I he's mean, moving it around. The fight scenes are just are just okay in this film. Like, they're they're not fantastic. He no. does, I mean, like, he's he's a legit martial artist, Kyushin Kai, and did some kickboxing. Um, but a lot of the stuff here is basically every move is in that one edit. So, like, yes. there's a single kick, edit. There's a single punch, edit. Uh, yes. Like, it, there, 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 there's little to no flow in the actual way that this is shot and edited. And I just think it's, you know, if, if this movie does have a downfall, that's, that's a big part of it. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Like, they needed to let these guys, Brandon Lee and Dolph Lundgren, with these very talented stunt actors in the background, yeah. just flow a little bit. Like, let it go. Let the fight, you know, back the camera off, do a wide shot. And let them throw two, three, four techniques in a row. Yeah. But they don't. They're like, basically, like you said, every technique is an edit. I like that the, the, the gangsters go outside and start machine gunning the front of this shop. And Dolph Lundgren hides behind literally a small fucking yeah. wooden table, like a diner table. <laughs> yeah. But they squib it. So it, like once the squibs <laughs> blow, it's clearly cardboard. Yes. Like it's clearly just like paper and shit. You're like, what the fuck? Like you guys gave away your secrets. And that's when of course, Lundgren and Lee, uh, realize that they're actually partners on the, uh, task force. All right. Say it. All right. Say it. Asian task force. You're Kenner. Mm-hmm. Nelson sent me. I'm your new partner. Oh, really? Well, it looks like they all got away. Good job, officer. <laughs> they start chirping on each other and it's, shit. It's not bad. Like, no, it's not. And, you know, like we, we've we said this before, Rapid Fire comes out after this. Is it 94, 96, uh, something like that? No, no, 93, I think. Something like that, yeah. Or maybe even 92, but... Um, it might be 92, you're right. His, his acting in Rapid Fire, Brandon Lee's acting in Rapid Fire... Is far superior to this. He's still kind of, he's still kind of finding his way. I find. Yeah. And then of course, you know, his when the crow came out. Actually, the crow came out ninety three or ninety four. That's when he was like incredible. He was very good in the crow. Really got stupid as the plot was to the crow. Yeah, I was totally fine with that kind of supernatural. Oh no, no, that part was fine. The I'm going to light the fucking city on fire oh, to make yeah, a profit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, what the fuck fire are you talking about? Up, like, fire <laughs> it up. Oh, I here to you, yeah. man. Like, you know. But I think that, you know, like, we, we don't know where Brandon Lee would have ended up had he continued. No. Because he makes uh, quite a big leap from here to rapid fire and an even bigger leap um, when he gets into the crow. Yes. And now we get the, they, they capture the one guy from the restaurant and they bring him down to the station house here and they start to interrogate him and, Show his tattoos. Now, this guy, if I remember correctly in the movie, Dolph Lundgren sees the claw and he's like, oh, my God, he has the flashback to his parents getting killed and whatnot. And when they leave this guy alone in the room, he breaks his own neck. Yeah. And kills himself. I don't know if you could do that. Could you? I don't think you could kill yourself like that. Like somebody else could, but it's it's yeah. fucking hard to break a dude's neck by twisting it sideways like that. Yeah. But my point is this guy shows up in the movie later <laughs> standing around CHT in one of the yeah. mob gang rooms. He's like one of the background guys. One of the background guys. You're like, wait a minute, that guy I broke his own neck. That. Like, that's that's actually hilarious. <laughs> that's basically a black dynamite thing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, uh, what's his face? Kenner sees the, the, the Asian claw thing and or the white claw, iron claw. And Kenner has to leave the room and Johnny and Kenner leave and they see through the window here this guy and as they're chatting about Kenner's background or lack thereof, they end up seeing this guy start to do the preparations to break his neck. You can kind of see him in the background here with, with Johnny in front. And I think Kenner realizes what he's about to do and is like, holy shit, he's going to do it. And they, they're too late. But it's funny because it's always, um, 
it's always Brandon Lee that notices it because there's another scene like this That's later. Right. And yeah. he's like, he's oh, like, uh, this guy, uh, he's doing some sort of yoga. He's doing <laughs> Tai Chi or some shit. Yeah, he's doing some Tai Chi. Dolph Lundgren's like, oh, fuck you. That's the classic <laughs> fucking, that's the classic knee sit says stretch before you break your own neck and kill yourself in the police station. Johnny's like, what the fuck did he just do? Yeah, like, oh, he broke his own neck. Broke God his own neck. Like, that's that's a pretty honorable way to do it. What the fuck Whoa. are you talking about? Like, what is happening right now? <laughs> and then I think that's the captain that rolls in here, if I'm not mistaken. To, yeah, you know, like he busts in and he's just like. Give them the gears. He's just like, all right, uh, everyone's dead except your one guy. And they're like, well, now he's dead too. And he's like, oh, what the fuck, you two? Yeah. Everybody, <laughs> God damn it. Like, like you, you get a dressing down from the captain for everybody dying in your presence. And we get the the, the guy that screwed up here. They, they cut to the, the auto wrecking yard. And all the crew is standing around with the guy that fucked up in a car. And they're laughing as he gets crushed to death. Inside this car, which is a bit of a bit of a tease for later. Then we kind of get our first little look at uh, CHT here, chewing up the scenery as per normal. This dude is amazing. Like he's so good at Shang Song, and I think if this movie had gone a little sillier, I think I would have been on board a little bit more. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. If you kind of gone a little more supernatural, big trouble in little China kind of rolled, it yeah. would have been better because they really want you to. Except the fact that Dolph Lundgren is going around with that stupid headband and the <laughs> fucking Ninja Turtles style Komodo. Oh, like, you're just like, oh my god. Yeah, it's a little over the top as it is. But because of the world they created, like we said, it seems so out of place and it takes you out of it. Whereas if they had gone a little more gonzo from the get-go. Yeah, and they're, and they're cops. And they are... Really bad cops. They're, that's a theme with these movies is the cops are <laughs> fucking awful. Yeah. And like, they never actually like check into the police station or, you know, <laughs> no. like the amount of times that these two run from the cops, like, because they're actually in like shootouts and the cops show up and they're like, we better get the we fuck out of here. We gotta get the fuck out of here. And I'm like, uh, you're the cops. <laughs> like, what? Why are you running away from your coworkers? Should be an indicator as to, uh, you're doing something bad yeah. if you're running away from your Kenner, fucking were you coworkers. Fucking, were you fucking downtown? Because I swear in Little Tokyo, there was a fucking six foot six. Fucking Swede wearing a fucking redhead band holding an Uzi and a sword. <laughs> and again, this is where the movie was rewritten draft six by a 14-year-old because now we're at CHT's patio mansion hilltop cliffside pool party. Yeah. And there's just naked chicks everywhere. Yeah. All all bikini bottoms. Like just, all bikini bottoms. Titties yeah. everywhere. Titties everywhere. And... The, the Tia Carrere makes her first appearance here, and her co-worker at the strip club slash nightclub slash whatever the hell she works at, Angel, is here just smoking crack rock. Yeah, she is hitting the fucking crack pipe hard, <laughs> and then they bring her down. They bring her down to the office to have a conversation with her, and like, uh, you remember when? Uh, which doesn't make any sense. This is why I was a about to ask, why do they kill her? Yeah, um, because they have audio of her on the phone telling her boyfriend who owned the bonsai club if you don't sell them their club they're gonna fucking kill you right, right. and right, they're like right, right. you told him that we were going to kill him like you told him you were gonna kill him yeah. like <laughs> i wasn't telling him anything new yeah. like like you better do what these motherfuckers say because they will kill you <laughs> and but, they do kill him and they do kill and him they're like oh you fucking told <laughs> it's like yeah but then she's so weird because she's like oh in front of all these why don't i fuck you in front of all these guys and we'll make it Right, I guess. How about, why don't we do that? And then there's this weird, creepy, fucked up scene. I don't like this scene. Like, no, I'm not, I'm not even trying to be Wokey McWokerson here. No. But they give her a bunch of fucking ice crack here. And then, like, she smokes the crack. And then... Like a bunch of crack. Yeah, like a lot of crack. And then he starts, like, fucking... He's stripping her with the knife and doing her, like... Yeah, he's caressing her with his little wakizashi blade. And all these fucking shitheads all around them are like yeah, yeah this, this is awesome this. I'm like, this is cool this I'm like, is not awesome man this is, is this the yakuza club because i don't like this club this is a creepy as fuck fatty club. hawaii shirt from fucking uh, <laughs> out, for <justice. laughs> out for justice is there like i don't know how he made it into this film <laughs> yeah and he starts grinding for, but he turns the camera on to record what he's doing and like he's grinding on her from behind with his pants on and then he puts his hand out to get the sword. And she's high as fuck and doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. And then he just 
cuts her fucking head off in front of all these guys, but like on camera. It doesn't make any sense. He, Why would you record your crime? Yeah. The beheading was quite realistic. It was pretty good because like, the quick cut there was good. Yeah. This is why I think like the 14-year-old boy did the rewrite on script six because they're like combining sexuality throughout times that like are not times for that type of stuff. You're just like, yes. hey, let's, you know, let, let, let's not do that. That's, yeah. that's bad. Let's make the Grindy McGrind thing and then have her head show up in the fucking duffel bag like Joe Pesci Joe or whatever Pesci, the fuck. Joe Pesci, Eight Heads like. in a Duffel Bag. Yeah. <laughs> this is the prequel to Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag. <laughs> this is One Head in a Duffel Bag. One yeah. Head. So Kenner and Johnny show up here and they find Angel's head and I'm the rest of her body there. And this is, I think that's the medical examiner that they talked to, the, the, the black lady outside the cop. Yeah. And she says that she had so much drugs in her system that she would have been dead in 20 minutes from an anyway, OD. Doesn't even matter. Fuck it. She actually saved some time by getting her head cut off. Yeah, yeah. So they go to uh, Kenner and Kenner and Johnny here uh, roll out together. And this is where they go to. This is the Bonsai Club, I believe, where they yeah. roll in here. And we got our, they get a little expositionary chatter here in the car as they drive to the club. So, Marauder, how come you don't know a goddamn thing about your own culture? My culture? Listen, Jim, I was raised in the valley. My dad's a white guy who's a dentist. I know about malls, MTV, driving dad's car on Mulholland. They're they're talking about how Brandon Lee grew up in the valley and he doesn't oh, know yeah, anything right. about his culture. So <laughs> they basically do this kind of fish out of water where the white guy knows all about Asian culture and the Asian guy knows nothing about it. He's like, I grew up in the valley, dude. I know about malls. That's right. right. So they, That's right. They did a little bit of the you know role race reversal. reversal, role reversal on these two guys. That was kind of all right. I didn't mind this. The dialogue between them when they're just chatting in the car and when they're just hanging out, it isn't bad. It's that forced dialogue under stressful situations that, again, written by a 14-year-old, doesn't fit the situation, and these actors have to then deliver those lines. Yeah, there's a line coming up later. He's like, hey, champ, don't murder that guy. We're going to get out of here, and then we're going to eat sushi off of naked chicks. Like, that's a line. That's a man. A man says that to another man, like a grown-up. Says it in the in, while they're doing police fucking duty, dude. We're gonna go eat sushi off a of naked chick. Naked Who chicks. the fuck says that in, in the pursuant of their duties? Like fuck. Yes, I can understand why cops and military people can't watch cop and military movies. Yes, because this would make me want to fucking kill myself yeah. if I was a police the officer. Fuck? Like the yeah. fuck are you showing with my profession? Jesus, like yeah. <laughs> too funny. Yeah, Kenner comes in and knocks out this fucking guard to get into the club. Yeah, because these cops do fucking no grant. Like, they just fucking just start kicking the shit out of people to get into the club. They're like, what's the password, asshole? And they're just like, whack! It just kills James Liu here. Yeah, there's... And his partner. Some of the exchanges here are really awkward. And again, it's like the one attack, one edit yes. type thing. Nothing flows. It's I'm not even trying to shit on it, right? I'm just saying that the martial arts are not great. No, and that's not a reflection on Lundgren or Brandon Lee because they're both really good and we've seen them be really good. But it's the editing and the choices that they made in this movie with respect to showing the fights on screen that kind of chop it up to the point where it kind of is hard to watch. Yeah, like he walks up to somebody as talented as that and basically just clotheslines him and takes him out in one hit where, yeah, you know, it could have been, I don't know. I, it, it's, it's almost like, like time compression. It's like, well, we got to get them into the we got to get them into the club. We don't have time to do a really good fight scene, so let's yes. just make something quick and get them in there. They just want to get them there. And then we have the club inside here where we have the, the two chicks topless in the in the this, the uh, sumo obis and all these naked girls having sushi all over them, and it's sushi in the raw. And again, just completely unnecessary nudity because it was written by a 14-year-old. Like... Yeah. Like, well, we'd have naked women. Goes, what if we ate sushi yeah. off naked women? That'd be cool. Sushi? Yeah. Which I would not, again, not want to do as much as I like both naked women and sushi. Not anyway. I, I love them both, but I would not be picking a tuna roll off of, off of some chick's tuna bush. Roll. Like, you know. <laughs> I would not. <laughs> no, thank you, sir. I would not. And Tia Carrere's up there. Who's who's not a bad singer? Like, she's like, not. She's not, but... They've got her singing slow hand by the Pointer Sisters yeah. in a Japanese club. 
What's that girl singing? Oh, God, yeah. You're right. I could get immersed in some of that. Like, it doesn't... It does I not work. I need a man with a slow hand. It's like, why are you... Why that song? It doesn't make any sense, dude. It doesn't make any sense in the club. Like, it just doesn't flow. It's awkward. You're watching her like, okay, like, again... She's extremely pretty. She's got a yeah. good voice, but it's the wrong song in the wrong place. And you're like, what is this is fucking wrong. It doesn't work. And uh, anyway, so Tia Carrere talks to Johnny and Ken are here about, you know, the ownership of the club and things are changing hands. And the, you know, the owner of the club is the owner of the brewery. And they're talking about the, the what's it? Iron, is it Iron? It's Iron Claw yeah. Brewery, right? Or whatever it's called. That's the symbol. The, the, the symbol is the claw that's. The Yakuza symbol, which is baked right into the logo for the beer, which the pisses, Red Dragon beer. This is off. Oh my god, they so, so they're, they're goddamn so obvious. So they put it in there. Angry. Well, why are you just noticing now, Kenner? <laughs> <laughs> and Brandon Lee just is, you know, all over Tia Carrera, like, oh my god, you're so hot. Oh my god, it's too much when and then, brandon lee yeah. walks in and does that oh god yes <laughs> like that is the funniest fucking line in the movie it really like, is. hey what do you think of these naked ladies in this bar oh god <laughs> yes i'm into it yeah he's a, he's a little over the top and then like i don't know 10 yakuza guys come in and brandon lee makes the little oh we should have paid the cover car- cover charge joke it throws these like four quarters into this one guy's face to distract him and the guy acts like he got hit by fucking lava yeah yeah like <laughs> like when when uh somebody threw a towel at frank drebin and police squad and it's yes. and it, he acted like it stuck to his face he was yeah. like oh, oh like that's that type of that type of it's like it was an alien joke. face sucker yeah like, just <laughs> just cracks him in the face with the coins and he acts like it was fucking real acid that's <laughs> uh, real acid everybody i want to see goggles the the fighting in this exchange is again it's just okay there's you don't see one two three hits no. in a cut you see one kick you see one punch yep you don't really get to see really good martial arts that you that you do and that's the thing that you know going back to this i remembered enjoying this film but i i i didn't realize just kind of how choppy and awkward the fighting is in this film it's and funny. i fucking love everybody in this film Oh, everybody. Like, Al Leong shows up here. James yeah. Liu jumps back. Toshishiro Obata's there. Like, all good guys. With On top of Brandon and Dolph here. This is kind of like the, the perfect weapon for me. Do you remember, like, when we went back yes. and watched The Perfect Weapon? You're yes. like, I fucking really like this movie, but I feel a little bit disappointed in the overall execution. In the and choices made. Yeah, yeah. and that's kind of where I, I, I feel about this movie. Yeah, it could have been a lot better if they had... A, a gone a little bit farther into the the wacky weirdness and b just pull back and get a bit of a wider shot on the fights and let them go yeah anyway so they get captured kenner and johnny get captured here by all the crew they get brought downstairs from the upscale pomo dance club down into the basement aztec temple thing what what, what do you think's going on here what do you think's <sighs> going on here with this i don't even understand because it legitimately looks like a goddamn aztec it looks like the titty temple. twister the titty twister yeah is what it looks like it likes like they rolled on to another set to shoot this yes like from dust till dawn just moved out yeah 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 they rolled downstairs and took over the the titty twister from them and kicked out george clooney and, and quentin yeah and but now these guys are here this is the this is kind of like the these guys are bad cops they're scenes. awful so cops he gets down, he gets face-to-face face face with THC, and then we have this flashback. Dolph Lundgren here realizes, oh my god, you're the guy that killed my mom and dad. And you're the guy whose face I cut with his own sword. With the scar that keeps changing shape throughout the movie Ch- as we get close to it. shape, location, <laughs> like in dimensions. <laughs> and... He, sometimes it's a scar. Sometimes it's just like like dry skin. It's like a dimple. Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like a, it's you like a, gave me dry skin <laughs> on my right cheek when you were nine, you motherfucker. <laughs> and he tears open CHT's jacket and shirt. It's like it was joined with Velcro because it's. Did just, I say THC and you're saying CHT? Am I? Oh shit. Oh, we know. did. Oh, yeah, because yeah. it's Kerry it's Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa, so C-H-T. But yeah, you said T-H-T. I was, I was thinking up. something else entirely. 
Well, THC. I, yeah. I feel high watching this movie because it's not making any sense. And I fucking love how everybody in this film looks like they got all of the wardrobe from 1991 Randy River. <laughs> because they totally like, did. The fucking low crotch baggy sweatpants and the short sleeve suits. Pastel like, colors and fucked up prints. Yeah, it's... It's awesome. It really works with the Aztec theme of the <laughs> fucking office season. And Dolph Lundgren is so mad. He's got to, he pulls the gun on, on CHT with the shirt open so he can see the, the Yakuza tattoos and the Iron Claw logo. And he's holding the Desert Eagle, the chrome fucking Desert Eagle on his face and shaking. He's so fucking mad. But there's like, I don't know, what, 15 guns pointed at them now? And yeah. Brandon's trying to talk him down like, hey, asshole, um... You want to not get me killed? How yeah, about, yeah, how about you yeah. don't get me? I understand you're on a fucking vengeance trip here, but you want to not fucking get me shot in the back of the head 28 times? <laughs> but Lundgren, to his credit, realizes like, oh, okay, I kind of might have fucked up here and I put us in a, what does he say? A bit of a fucking pickle here or some shit? Yeah, like, he says, yeah I forget what he says. He's like, I put us in a real fucked up situation here, didn't I? A fucked up situation. He's like, yeah, yeah, you fucking moron, you did. So he talks about, he tells all the crew, the Yakuza guys here, uh, we're a couple of uh, cops and too many people saw us come in here, so you can't kill us, so we're going to just um, uh, leave now with his pleated brown suede pants, whatever the fuck they I are. I don't think the Yakuza cares, though. I think they would have legitimately just oh, killed him. They would have been dead as fucking they, fried chicken. Yeah, they dead happened to pull this shit when I was in the transition <laughs> period. <laughs> I don't want to kill you, I want to help you. I want to help you. <laughs> Get the fuck out of my club. <laughs> so yeah, they fuck off and leave. And uh, Brandon Lee's acting all too much cocky with this badge here. He's like waving it around. This fucking guy is like, "Eh, how about that? Yeah, fuck you. And then we walk out, well, we being Kenner and Johnny here. And Johnny is like, what in the actual fuck did you just do down there? You need to tell me what's up with this guy. So we have to get this little uh, sort of driving scene, pullover scene, whatever, where Kenner tells Johnny the whole backstory of his parents. And again... As much as I like Dolph Lundgren, and I do, the acting isn't great, but I think it's probably the script, again. Yeah, like, the entire time you're watching this, like, there is a pretty fucking good movie in this. Because you have got, no joke, like, some of the most talented stunt fighters. Oh, easily. Out there. Yeah. And you've got Dolph Lundgren, you've got Brandon Lee. I really think that there was major problems with this script, and the fight choreography and the the direction because some of the line delivery is brandon brandon lee's line delivery is so gay like it's wicked gay like, yeah like yeah. he's just he looks at him and he's just like hey champ like he hey champ it's like it's <laughs> almost like brandon lee's role was for tia Carrere, and yeah he's delivering it <laughs> like yeah it's she he talks to kenner the way my wife talks to me when she wants to get laid. Yeah, yeah. Like right? There's, like, there's, if she's there's in the mood, she's like, hey, champ, what's going on? Like, like, hey, <laughs> champ, you got the biggest dick I've ever seen on a man. That's a, that's a, that's a line he says, oh, right? And so I, I, I think, and I'm not, I'm not even saying anything negative to gay people. Like, no. I'd be on board. If I would watch that like, fucking movie. I would like, be on board if, just, 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 if you're going to take it in that direction, take it all the way. Like, Dude, the same as what we said about the transporter. The transporter yes. originally being Frank, the lead character, Jason Statham, being gay, make the girl in that movie, William Hung, <laughs> <That's> the, <laughs> make it gay. I'm still on board. I'm still watching it. Yeah. And I'm in. That That's the thing with this film. It's like, make it fucking I don't know, consistent. maybe it's like because it was 91, they're like, oh, we could never actually do that. So Yeah, might have been a, uh, a times... Not, you know, the the public's not ready for that, which is why they did it with the transporter. But anyway, so uh, Lundgren and and Johnny, Kenner and Johnny here sort out their differences and decide to work together and they're going to bring down CHT and the whole Yakuza gang. I'm sorry, like Dolph Lundgren's car, he's driving, I believe, a Ford LTD. I believe. They, later in the film, that car gets put in the car crusher. Correct. Earlier, the owner of the previous owner of the Bonsai Club was he not driving the exact same car? I believe he was. Did, yes. they, did they, in order to save money, did they crush that car once and show it twice with different actors in it? Because I'm pretty sure they did. I'm pretty sure they crushed one 
tan Ford LTD car and, <laughs> and just showed it twice. All right, now you guys get in the car and pretend you're being crushed. But when at they night. crush, when they crush Kenner and Johnny, and it, it's just from a different angle, they just shot it with two cameras. That's yeah, all. Yeah, I think that's what it was. It's <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that this is the exact same car. They just crushed it once. They didn't have two Ford LTDs. They just pulled the forklift back and cut it yeah. out of the frame. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Kenner and Johnny. Here, follow CHT and the, and the Yakuza crew back to the Red Dragon Brewery. And this is where Kenner sees that motherfucker put the Iron Claw logo right in the goddamn brewery logo. That asshole. He's so fucking angry. But they pull up when, they're, when they follow them to the brewery. They're not even 100 meters from the gates to the brewery. Like, everybody would see them. They're not stealthy at all. No, they, they, are, literally, they are literally like seven or eight car lengths away Wide from the Wide fucking open. Gate. But... The other thing is, okay, I'm not a drug dealer. I've never been a drug dealer, but I would do better than these guys because oh, yeah, these, like, these guys are the Yakuza and they're inviting all the other drug dealers in. So all of a sudden, like 60 bikers are driving in. Like they're like, oh, the beer is a cover for the fucking drug dealing. For the crack and then, dealing, like, yes. Like 50 bikers come in, a whole bunch of like Spanish guys come in with their fucking low riders and they're fucking <laughs> bouncing. It's just like, uh, way to attract attention, asshole. <laughs> right. Well, and when you walk into this warehouse, this is a massive warehouse. And they've got a, what is this, a 30 foot wide conveyor belt with crack rocks the size of a fucking light bulb yeah. on it. Like yeah. anybody right who just. Next- Right next to the place where they're making the beer. Like, like, right? Like, if you're going to do that, they do have, like, beer inspectors that are going to come by on a regular basis. And they're going to be 20 feet from your 30-foot wide conveyor belt crack of crack bear. rocks. And those crack rocks, how big are those? So, Jesus, dude, legitimately not fucking around. They're as big as a fucking padlock. Yeah. Like, yeah. These crack rocks are like fucking golf balls. <laughs> Like, they would kill your neighborhood. You fucking dead. Like, if you threw one in a campfire, you would kill like a hundred scouts. Like a one hundred scouts would all be dead and high as fuck. I like that you put it in a scout fire. Yeah, well, with the scouts around. Yeah. And so no, we got all these different crews here. We get the the Crips here, all in their blue and their hoods, and the bikers are standing next to them in their leathers. And there's another crew on the other side of the Crips. And they're all like, what the fuck are you going to do? What's going on? And CHT is like, we're going to take 20% of the whole thing. And the biker's like, 20%? You can't even fucking run anything with that. We're going to go out of business. And he's like, well, no, I'm going to distribute it to you. And the guy's like, fuck you. And he calls him a fucking slur. Starts firing the slurs. Firing out the slurs, which CHT does not take kindly to. And then he pulls out the sword and chops that biker's fucking arm off. And the best part about it, it's a fake arm because he's got a fucking cigarette resting between <laughs> his index and middle finger. And the arm falls to the floor and the cigarette stays in place even after it fucking bounces off the floor. It's like Carl Weathers' times. arm in Predator just still yeah, firing still the gun. Firing the gun. <laughs> As yeah, they could have done that in slow motion with the fucking smoke coming up. Yeah, this is like the bad version of Predator. Oh my god. So yeah, they, they all the guys after the arm gets chopped off, all the other crews agree like, yeah, yeah, no, you will we'll do whatever you want. So then CHT here goes back to the bonsai club, and we get a few more extraneous tetes on. I got to tell you, those there's there's three women on stage on the bonsai club, all <laughs> dancing out of sequence, <laughs> and they're like spinning, and it's it's the worst dancing <laughs> dancing ever. Yeah, in big air quotes. <laughs> they're they're like, just barely moving around. Do you, and, do you remember when uh, when John Hughes was on The Simpsons? And he put on the record, and he was like, yeah, Homer, get into it. And Homer just kind of bounced up and down yeah, a little bit. Yes. That's what these girls That's are doing. That's what these girls are doing. They are the worst strippers of all time. <laughs> and CHT goes in the back room here, and he clearly has an eye for Tia Carrere. And we get a few more extra titties in the background just as people are getting up and going. But he gives her some flowers. I'm and- pretty sure that those background titties are later the stunt titties. For oh, Tia Carrere. Fair. She did have some stunt titties in this. Yes, that's true. But anyway, continue. I'm, I'm sorry. No, please. He, uh, yeah. CHT here basically takes Tia Carrere. Like, not basically. He totally takes her against her will back to his little hillside mansion here after giving her flowers. But do you know what's weird is when he's standing there, he's like, I'm going to give you some flowers and I'm going to beat the shit out of you. She's wearing a black dress. She is. And then they immediately cut to him... 
kicking the shit out of her at the house at the house and she's wearing a yellow dress yeah so, i don't know did he beat her up and change her like, i think he beat her so hard he changed her clothing yeah, he beat her so hard like but she doesn't have a mark on her if this but she's wearing like this yeah like you said like this bright yellow april o'neill camisole and he's chucking her around and clearly is going to rape her and takes his shirt off so she sees his yakuza tattoos and when he chucks her on the bed and she's like oh no clearly adring her moans and and upset noises he flips on the video of him killing angel yeah that's not cool man which i don't get like this the scene sucks like they could have done this scene a lot <sighs> i understand you want to be menacing and evil and, for sure and all that shit but again it's just kind of like uh palmo weird for the sake of being weird you know? <laughs> right like, it's it, it feels that type of gratuitous it's very gratuitous shit. So anyway, they did they off camera. He rapes he the shit, rapes out of her. the shit out of her. And the next, I'm assuming this is the next morning. Now, Kenner and Johnny are binocularing the house to survey all the, the Yakuza guys, not all the Yakuza guys, the main Yakuza guy crews leave, leaving a few guys to guard the house. And they see Kenner and Johnny see through the binoculars, uh, Monaco here in the house. And she is getting ready to, as Kenner says, commit ritual seppuku, uh, and Johnny is like, what the fuck is that? What does that mean? As if he couldn't tell by looking through the binoculars at her holding yeah. a knife on her knees. And she's, well, she's now in a different room in the man. She has free range of the mansion. Of course. Um, Except for the East Wing, like the Beast so said. Never she, go in the East Wing. Yeah. So she finds uh, some lady's kimono. Some lady's kimono. The <laughs> ritualistic, you know, sword. Everything's laid out for her. Like Just in case, you know. It's, it's so fucked up. Like, he must rape so many women and leave... He just leaves like, the candle altar set up yeah, there. Yeah, little altar set up there. You can case. commit seppuku in the morning. Um, and <laughs> Kenner like fucking seppuku in the morning. just decides that he's going <laughs> to fucking stop her from committing suicide. And Kenner's got eyeliner on here going in, right? He's got a lot of eyeliner on. Again, this script five, he was going in to save a man. Like... A man that was raped. He's, he's going in to get fire, Harvey Firestein. Yeah, Harvey Firestein. <laughs> oh my god, I got raped by <laughs> Squeal like a piggy. Whee! So yeah, Kenner goes in here, kills a guard, shoots a bunch of guards, a lot of gunfire, a lot of killing. The body count, if I remember in this movie, is, I think it's, what did I say, 58? Yeah, now in this scene, I think it's nine, because I think he comes back to Brandon Lee, and he's like, did you kill anybody? And he's like, yeah, I killed nine guys. That's right. And they're like, let's get the fuck out of here. Oh, yeah, because Brandon, like, that's right. Brandon Lee says, there's like nine guys in there when yeah, Kenner yeah, yeah. rolls in. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, he, he yeah, at one point punches through a door and grabs a guy by the cock and pulls him yeah. through and, like, breaks his neck. Because he's got cock-sensing ability, because <laughs> he knows there's a cock on the other side of the door. Because he punches through the door and grabs the guy by the dick and then pulls him through. He's got cock dar. <laughs> Yeah, he's like that cocktail. <laughs> and I love how he scoops her up and just fucking walks backwards through a glass fucking window. Through a plate glass window that explodes like fucking safety glass. He walks out, jumps over the car, puts Monaco in the convertible, and he's now having a gunfight with at least three or four guys. Oh, yeah. Beside this, whatever this is, SS Camaro. And then he just Hulk fucking Andre the Giants this car up on its side. Do, like, do cars even stay on their side? Don't they roll over under the roof? I think it would have rolled over and he would have been wide fucking open. Because <laughs> he gets, shot he gets underneath the fucking car <laughs> and starts Conan and the bar- barbarian. He fucking gets it on its side. Drives away. Shoots the gas tank and it explodes. But honestly, if that thing had a flipped over on its roof oh. and he was just standing there with his like, dick in his hand, boom, <laughs> that would have been hilarious. And then she gets just recaptured, kills herself, end of movie. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, they obviously get away. And the this guys... Is the, this is the goddamn... I, we just went to the mall and bought everything at Stitches. Remember that 100%. store from the fucking 90s that had all that fucking rayon oh goddamn God. shirts? The patterns on these shirts are outrageous. And the guys that are, are were, I should say, tasked with guarding CHT's house here are now obviously embarrassed because Kenner got in and got the girl out and wrecked his house and shot a bunch of guys. So this one main, I guess, the leader of the home protection team offers up his left pinky finger as an offering to CHT here in the old Yakuza form, cuts his finger off and folds it over. CHT is not having any of it. He's stone-faced through this whole thing. Yeah. Homeboy folds his finger up, shoves it over, and CHT's like, is that all? I said, what do you mean, is that all? And that's 
that's uh, Simon Reed from Best of the Best. Yeah. That's Dehan, baby. Dehan. He should have said, I offer myself to you as your brother. Because I've seen that work. Right? That <laughs> might have that that swung him a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, CHC's having none of it. And once the finger comes across the table, he's like, fuck all of you. Picks up the little wakizashi knife that he cut his finger off with and stabs this guy. Stabs Simon Reed through the chest piece and kills his ass. And that's a wrap on him. And now the other guys are like, oh, holy shit. He's got the Chang, the Shang Tsung. Like, like, I understand that you want to have a, I mean, you have a certain standard set if you're a Yakuza boss. Hmm. But at the same time, yeah. if you get this big fucking European Swedish uh, meatball coming through and kicking the ever-loving <laughs> shit out of everybody you can throw at him. Like, you probably want all the guys you could have. Oh, like, you want everybody. You probably do not want to kill your own guys because Kenner is not fucking around. He's clearly not fucking around. And CHT here wants the head of Kenner, but he's, for some reason, he holds the knife out in front of his main guy and is like you said, sm- smell this knife. Smell it. Smell, yeah, he smell the blood. Hold it out like, smell my knife. <laughs> smell it. I'd like you to smell the blood of your coworker. And this other guy's like, fucking, let's get out of here. Toss the finger. So now Kenner and Johnny are trying to suit up. Kenner now has Minako back at his, this is his house, right? Or is he having right a safe house or some shit? Like, where, where are they right now? Because this um, doesn't look like his paper house. No, this is another... Kenner has several houses in this film. <laughs> he's like, very wealthy. He has at least three houses. He had a trust so fund with his dead He parents. is a cop uh, who is clearly on the take. He gives her a shotgun and then in the same thing, point this, pull the trigger, whatever you're pointing at, it's going to go boom. <laughs> She's like, fall all down. right. He's like, shoot anything that fucking comes around. She's like, what if it's you? He's like, you won't hear me coming. <laughs> like... <laughs> So that wraps up part one of Showdown in Little Tokyo. We're very excited. We're going to get back and do the second half as soon as we can. We'll tag that onto this one and make sure everybody knows when it's out. Coming up next, the next new podcast you're going to hear is John Woo's The Killer, starring Chow Yun-Fat. I'm very excited about that one. There's some cool stuff about that movie, and Chow Yun-Fat's awesome, and how do you not love John Woo, right? So again, check out patreon.com slash you have offended this podcast. Go to our website, offendedpodcast.com. Buy yourself a t-shirt. Get a fanny pack hey you look cool in those right i'm a dad guy i wear fanny packs get a monogrammed one support the podcast do you think anyway we will see you next week with well i guess it'll be this monday with a pre-released one from season one hope you like that we'll probably do that one for the next week as well because we're not going to have a chance as i'm away and then the next new one will come out the week after that which will be i don't even know when it comes out have a great couple of weeks we'll see you near the end of the summer for back to the normal podcasting schedule on you have offended this podcast.